Verse 11. As you're turning there, let me just take some time to thank Pastor Albert and his precious wife for the opportunity to be here with you this morning and for making this entire weekend happen. And all the leaders and all the team that has been working so hard on transporting my father back and forth to different places and still serving and being at your post and everything. Thank you guys for your faithfulness. It is, does not go overlooked. And we are greatly, greatly uh, appreciative of all your hard work. And also for my good friend Matt from Pueblo and his brand new bride right here who I'm getting to know. And uh, they're a precious couple. And Matt has been a good friend of mine for the last few uh, several years and we he's always been the man who's taken me back from different places and been my chauffeur 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 that sounded weird when I said it chauffeur but he did something to his hair that I'm still trying to figure out but we'll figure that out later okay Luke chapter 15 and when you have it say amen 15 11 it says Jesus continued that there was a man who had two sons and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country there, and he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to, to, as a, to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs, and he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when, this is the key verse here, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still long way off, his father saw him coming and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is a alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Father, bless the reading of your word this morning. We love you and we thank you. And everybody said, turn around and give somebody a high five. Amen. And you may be seated. Pastor Anthony, I think where the feedback is coming is that the, this mic is still coming out of these monitors. You could kill the monitors and we'll just go with the house and you could bring the house up a little bit more. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to speak to you, I wanted to take a few minutes of your time to speak to you, because all this week, it has been a very instrumental week. It's been a very pivotal week in the churches that we've been in. And I just came out of Pueblo this morning, and Pueblo, God has given them a brand new facility. The pastor there has recently been uh, uh, anointed as the regional pastor in, in, this, uh, in this great state of California, uh, of Colorado, excuse me, I'm back home, uh, of Colorado. And... 
God gave them a wonderful property. And uh, just like you guys have, God's been, he's been faithful to you. Amen. How many love the new church that you're in right now? Praise the Lord. And so uh, when, you, when you get positioned and repositioned in a new place, uh, there's a transition that takes place in the church. And a transition is a declaration to, it's, a, it's God's declaration to us that says life as you've known is over and now a new life is beginning. I learned this principle uh, four years ago in October, it'll be four years, four years ago when uh, my late wife was diagnosed with cancer and she went on to be with the Lord four months later, my life had now begun a new transition and now I had to learn how God intended to take the best part of me home but yet give me the greatest life I ever had without her. And the only way that that was possible was by me understanding what a transition is and how God uses a transition in our lives. And a transition, many of you may be in a transition. There are things that recently are taking place in your life that you had no choice in, you had no say in the matter, but God has evicted you from your comfort zone. Are you hearing me? Circumstances are happening or have happened that you had no say in it, but the foot of God just came and kicked you right out and says, you, you don't got to go home, but you got to get out of here. Are you, are you hearing me? And so things begin to happen. And what happens is the number one mistake that we make in a time of transition is that when we don't understand that a transition is the ending of this and the beginning of the never before, we make the mistake of trying to carry over the life we had into the new life we're about to step into. And so as we begin to do that, you, you start to feel, why? Because a transition brings insecurity. A transition brings a, a, a fear because you know that you knew this, but you know that you don't know this. Are you hearing me? A lot of times we've seen that modeled in people that have been stuck at a dead-end job or they've been in a bad relationship and they've been in something that they knew a long time ago they needed to get out of, but they would rather hold on to something that doesn't work that they know than let go of it and step into something that they don't know. Are you hearing me? And so what we end up doing is we end up uh, delaying God's best for our life because we don't understand the transitions that God has us going through and that the purpose of that. Imagine I had to believe that my life could actually go to a greater level after my wife died. Like that's hard to really wrap your mind around. Like what do you mean my life will get better and go to greater levels and I'll do greater things without this. It doesn't seem possible because once you took this, I needed this to do that. And God says, no, you needed this to do this, but you didn't need this to do that. Are you hearing me? And so in our lives, sometimes we, uh, we go through things that we don't understand. And God how God gets us to our greatest level is he gives us moments with him that are designed to turn into momentum 
and momentum will break you through the barriers that have had you stuck for years. Are you hearing me? What, is that? what does a moment mean? A moment is this weekend, if you've been here all weekend, you have had moments with God. It's not a question if, if you've had moments this year. It's a question of when you did have a moment with God, what did you do with it? Because a moment with God can occur when you're in the, when you're in the supermarket and you're reaching for mayonnaise and all of a sudden you come to your senses like that young man and the Lord speaks to you and says, what are you doing with that guy? Are you hearing me? You're picking up your kids from school and you're and you're and you just got into an argument with your wife and you know that you felt so right about the argument. But when you pick up your kids, all of a sudden you come to your senses and the, and the Lord just says, why did you treat your husband that way? Why did you treat your wife that way? Are you hearing me? Amen. When are you going to stop being selfish? Amen. When are you going to stop being this way? When are you going to let me do a work in your life? See, moments with God, they happen all the time. They happen at different times. What is a moment with God? A, a, a God moment is when a sudden awakening happens and your life for what it really is, is revealed to you with truth and honesty. A moment with God is when the alarm sounds in your heart and you're awakened to your, and you become aware of your present circumstance that if you keep going down this road, you are going to be in a lot of trouble. A moment with God is when reality hits you that something must change. It's when the Holy Spirit comes and opens our eyes and we see something that we missed before and something comes to life to us and we realize I've been trying to do this on my own. I haven't been including God. Oh, come on, somebody. A moment with God is when a truth is revealed about our life. And at that point, why does God give us those moments? Because he's trying to turn your moment into momentum so that you could break through your barrier that has had you stuck because he knows that if you just hit the wall it won't break but if you back up from the wall and he gives you a moment and you run at the wall you'll break through and this will be the best year of your life are you hearing me today see the question is not if you've had moments what have you done with them see because your moments to become momentum need movement if you put no movement to your momentum, if you put no movement to your moment, then it will never become momentum. All it will be will become your memory that will turn into a memorial stone that you will talk about as a thing of the past. Some of you remember already, you had a moment at conference. God spoke to you at conference. You had a moment and God said, I called you to do this. I called you to do that. And you've done nothing with that moment. And now you talk about it like a memory. Well, I know when God spoke to me at that conference, but you have put no movement to that moment. Boy, it got quiet. I'm sorry. Are you hearing me? You see, your moment needs movement and your movement needs steps. It needs specific steps that need to be taken. And this church right now where you're at, let me just tell you this. God has given you a new location. He's given you a new harvest. He's giving you a new assignment, you know. Um, this church cannot afford to do what it did in this building, in the old building. But because people 
don't do anything with their moments, they put the work on the same people who are trying to carry the church. And what happens is God gave you a moment because he wants to pull you out of where you're at into another level so that you could help the church grow. But because you don't see yourself as something valuable to the next level, you end up thinking that you need a touch from God when God says enough of you going after things for you. I need you to start going after things through you. I don't want you coming to church for your word. I want you coming to church for their word. I don't want you coming to church so that you could be blessed. I have your family on my heart and I want to save your entire family through you. I want to touch your children through you, but I'll never touch your family through you if you don't do nothing with what I show you. Are you hearing me today? See, we need people. I told Pueblo today, I said, we need people in the church that don't need to be a leader to take ownership of a whole role and say, I don't know about you, but this is my role. By the end of this year, my whole family is going to be filling up this role. All my friends are going to be filling up this role. I'm going to do something with what God is showing me to do, and I'm going to make sure that I'm contributing to what God wants to do at this next level. Are you hearing me today? You know, but there, there are things that we have to begin to really target. You know, one of the reasons why this is hard, um, this is a hard pill to swallow. It's a hard message sometimes to digest is because to do what God has called us to do. See, doing God's will has nothing to do with you being a leader, a pastor or anything. It has to do with you being a Christian. God has called you to make a great impact. There is something in you. Let me tell you this. This church grows to its greatest level once we find out how to get what's in you out of you to win your world. See, there's something special in you that has been hidden for a moment just like this. But we got to get it out of you so that you can share it with the world and begin to change the world that's around you. Winning the world for Jesus begins with you winning your world. But how do we win your world if we're not you? Only you can win your world. Are you hearing me this morning? Does this make sense? See, there are things that God has put in you that need to get out. There are things that God says, I want to use you, uh, you know, to, to begin to grow the ministry and grow the church. And what I, what I see happening is this, is that sometimes we could go and we could get a new location and we, we get a new location and then we function the way we function in the old location and we rely on the same old people that we relied on in the old location. And, and where are the new people that are getting activated? And where are the new people that are coming in? And where are the new people that are supposed to come? because we didn't come here just because the building was open. God brought us here because like he told Moses, I heard the cry of hurting people in this area. I heard the cry of hurting people in this area. But what do you do? How are you apart? What are we doing to make a difference and an impact in this next level 
for Victory Outreach Colorado Springs. Boy, how come it's so quiet in here this morning? You guys are kind of scaring me a little bit. Give me an amen and out something. If I don't think, if I'm not connecting, you're going to make us all late for lunch because I'm going to talk a lot more than I need to. Is this hitting home? Are you, are you feeling me this morning? Okay, good. See, let me tell you this, is that number one, in order for you to turn your moment into momentum, it's going to take you taking steps, right? The Bible says that the Lord came to Peter and he saw Peter's heart was to be like him and to be with him. So he told him, come out, walk on the water. And Peter walked on water and then he noticed the wind and the waves and he started sinking. And then he said, help me, Lord. And God helped him and pulled him out. And Peter got rebuked, but the guy walked on water. Imagine that. He stepped out. He walked on water and he still got jacked. Are you hearing me? That didn't seem right. But, but when you look at the overall assignment, Peter's job wasn't to step out. It was to step out and keep taking steps. It wasn't to stop. See, some of you, you stepped out this year, but then you stopped. You got distracted by the wind and the waves. The wind represents the natural things that blow into life, and the waves represent your emotions reacting to those natural things that blow in your life. You're up one minute, down the next. You had the victory at conference, but here we are a couple of months away from conference, and you're already bummed out. Because you got distracted. Come on now. Are you hearing me? Yes. You had the victory last Sunday. Some of you had the victory this morning. Well. And you're already defeated and it's three o'clock. Are you hearing me? Well, because you know what happens is this, is that once you step out, God allows things to blow into your life. See, let me tell you this. What God allows to blow in your life, he allows to blow in your life what will build you up. Distraction is not um, the enemy presents something and then you're distracted. No, no, no. God allows something in to build you up. Distraction is a choice that you make. See, Peter, when he stepped out, the wind and the waves were blowing. But when he noticed it, he made a decision to be afraid of it. And when he chose to be distracted by it, then the enemy initiated his plan. The enemy will not initiate a plan of distraction until you choose to be distracted. And let me tell you this, your greatest level is not going to be distracted by the enemies all out. Some of you think you give the devil way too credit, way too much credit. Oh, the enemy's hitting me, pastor. Man, ever since conference, the devil's been hitting me and the devil's been, and the devil, and the devil, and the devil, and the devil. And God says, oh man, it's funny how you call everything I allow to blow into your life the devil. Well, come on now. I didn't let that blow into your life. That's not the devil. That's me. You're calling things angelic, demonic. Are you hearing me? You're you're calling things that were designed to build you, and you're saying they were there to destroy you. And God says, no, no, no. I allowed that to blow into your life to build you up. You chose to be distracted. 
And after you made that decision, then the enemy came in and began to initiate a plan against you. Now you gave him authority. See, once you choose to be distracted, you are giving the enemy permission to say, mislead me, redirect me, misguide me. Are you hearing me? You're giving the enemy that place. So what happens is, is that you end up, because the enemy knows this. See, there's some of us that he'd be happy if you're stuck. And there's others that he knows you're just too hyper to be stuck. So he says, if you're going to have movement, I'd rather have you moving in the wrong direction. And that's why some of us were so busy. But when you look back at your life, you haven't accomplished anything. Matter of fact, what we look at is at times we look and we feel like we have repeat years. Man, why does my 2017 look like my 2016? Why does my 2016 look at my two, like my 2015? I wanted to build this, but it didn't happen. I wanted to get better in this, but it didn't happen. I wanted, but why? Because that we are not, at times, we're struggling with having the right perspective at the right time of what God wants to do in and through our life. Let me tell you a few things here this morning. Are you getting anything so far? Okay. We'll be coming in for a landing. Look, at a couple of things. Number one, the steps that need to be taken. The first step is a stewardship step. See, if you're going to turn your moment into momentum, it begins with stewardship because stewardship kills selfishness. The Bible says that in the last days there's going to be an increase of wickedness. And again, doesn't blame the devil. He says, in the last days there's going to be an increase of wickedness and evil. Because why? Because we will love ourselves more than God. So when you see all the things that are happening... When you see all the things that are happening in the presidency and you see all the things that are happening in the world and you see all these people dying and you see all these hate crimes and you see all these things, do not just sit around and blame the enemy. Look and say, man has caused this because we love ourselves more than we do God. See, you've got to choose that you love yourself more than you love God for the enemy to step in and initiate a plan. Are you hearing me? That, that's, what, that's what empowers. See, the enemy has no authority in your life unless you give it to him. Amen. That's why the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You are more than conquerors. Though the weapon forms, it will not prosper. Every scripture shows us that we have the power. The Bible says in Revelations, it says, "Be." Uh, he says, uh, uh, hold on so that no one will take your crown. The word hold on means that in the days of kings, the king would sit on the throne. And as he sat on the throne, he would hold on to the scepter. And as he held on to the scepter, he held the scepter, which was a symbol of authority. Whoever held the scepter had power to rule the nation. And the Lord says, I've given you that same power over your circumstance. You hold the power over whatever you're going through. Whatever you're going through does not have power, more power than you. It doesn't have more power than God. He says, I've given you power to rule it. But if you believe the whisper of the enemy that says what you're going through, not even God can help you. You release the authority and the enemy gets the authority. And now he rules you through the circumstance that you've been afraid of. Are you hearing me today? 
Well, what are we talking about? We're talking about things that are going to help us keep moving forward because some of us have been stuck too long. We've been facing the same things for too long. You've been battling the same thing. You've been coming to church for the same breakthrough, been coming to church for the same word, been coming to church for the same issues, and you can't seem to break through that barrier. That's why God gave you the moment to give you momentum, but he's looking for the steps that are going to break through the thing that has us stuck. If you believe that, give God a hand of praise. Stewardship is what? What is stewardship? It's being faithful in what areas? Give me, give me, give me some feedback here. What, what is stewardship? It's being what? Okay, no, but what, what areas does it cover? Okay, money is one. Treasure. What's another one? Service. Okay, service, talent, right? Skills. And what else? Time. Time, treasure, talents is that the Lord says, listen, you want to take a step? You want to use the moment I gave you in the right way? Be a good steward. Be unselfish. Give to me your time when I ask for it. Give to me your, your, your talents when I ask for it. Give to me the money that belongs to me. And if you do those things, you're already taking a step in the right direction. See, some of us, you come to church for the church to do something for you and to you and through you. But yet, you do not give your time, your treasure, nor your talent. But yet you're faithful every week to hand out your hand, extend your hand, and say, God, give me a breakthrough. And the Lord says, I've been giving you a breakthrough, been giving you a moment, been giving you a word, yeah, I, I broke that thing last week. How did it jump back on you this week? I spoke to you about that a month ago. Now you're making me speak to you about it again? Well, why do I need you to keep speaking, Lord? Because I, I, I'm not changing. It, it's still here. He said, well, if you would get unstuck. See, people, sometimes people get stuck and they confuse stuck and they start getting embarrassed that they're going to look stuck. So then they act like stuck means settle. So maybe I should settle here. Maybe I should start building here. Maybe I should start looking like I belong here, like I meant to be here. You ever see people that protect an image they don't have and everybody knows they don't have that image, but they think everybody doesn't know that? Huh? Oh, I don't want no one to know that, and everybody knows that, right? You see, God says, I want you to step out in stewardship. And then the other step is he says, I want you to make a sacrifice step. I need you to sacrifice. What's it going to take to fill these roles? What's it going to take to fill? Well, I can't give my money. Why? Because I need my money. Uh, well, the sacrifice. The prophet came in and said, hey, I'm hungry. The woman said, you came to the wrong place. I'm about to make my last meal for me and my son. We're going to eat and die. He says, let me challenge your selfish thinking. Get back in there. Go make the meal you were going to make, but don't give it to you or your son. Give it to me and watch what God does. She went in. She made the meal, came out, gave the man the meal. He ate it, and all of a sudden she had more than enough, not only for one meal, but for she had so much she had to run around to her neighbors and borrow that so she could pour the oil in. She had more than enough. She had enough for everybody. Amen. See, sacrifice steps are hard because in this day and age, people don't want to sacrifice 
in this day and age, some of us feel we have sacrificed, and I believe you have. I believe every one of us have sacrificed to get where we're at. But the problem is, is this. When you talk about sacrifice, people think when they serve the Lord that God reserved earth to pamper you. No, he made heaven to pamper you, earth to build you. Are you hearing me? He made heaven to pamper you, earth to build you. He's such a good God that he says, if you're lucky, you may have 80, 90 years on this earth. But I'm going to work you for those 80 and 90 years, but I'm going to pamper you for eternity. Are you hearing me? But what, what happens is that we want to pamper now so we don't sacrifice. Or we feel we have sacrificed. Well, let me tell you this. There's a difference between suffering through our bad decisions than sacrifice for God. See, some of us, we made decisions. Well, you made that decision to get with that guy. He's beat you. He's cheated on you. He's done you wrong. And now you're coming to God and say, God, I've sacrificed. No, no, no. You paid the price for a bad decision you made. God says, now I'm challenging you to sacrifice for me so that you could go to your next level. There's a difference. You suffering for the decisions you made versus God saying, sacrifice so I can give you the life I intended. Come on now. Is this too much for Sunday morning? I, I thought this was, I thought it was an afternoon service, so I thought it'd be all right. Come on, clap your hands if you're, if you're getting something. Even if it hurts, say ouch. I, I'm talking to me too. Come on now. See, you have to be willing to give it your all. You have to be willing to give it your best to turn, you, you, to go after your dream, to go after your vision, your plan. You, you, you have to know and say, God, I'm willing. You know, you know why? Let me just tell you this. You know why sacrifice is very important to the Lord? He takes it very personal because he had a vision. When Jesus walked the earth, he had a vision. His vision was, I'm going to start my church. And I'm going to start, I'm going to go to the cross and die for all of mankind's sins. That's his vision. And then when you ask God, what did you sacrifice? Oh, I just gave up my whole life. I let him beat me, spit on me, whip me, drive thorns in my head, and nail me to the cross. I gave every, I sacrificed everything for my vision. Isn't it amazing how you have a vision, you have a plan, I have a vision, I have a plan, and everybody wants their next level, and we want our plan to be, we want our vision, we want that greater level, but when it comes time to paying the price, we're not interested in the paying the price, or the process, or the pain. We want God to give us a shot that will numb us from anything that we gotta go through, but wake us up when we're there. Are you hearing me? Yeah, you ever get in a surgery where they say count to 10 backwards and you're like, hey, and you go out and they do the surgery and you wake up and you're like, hey, when are we going to do it, doc? Oh, it's already been done. Yeah. That's what we want. Come on. God, just get me there. Wake me up in the vision because I don't want to pay the price to get to it. Yeah. It's been too hard to just get here. The Lord says, no, no, no. The sacrifice, the things that I am calling you to surrender, the things that I am calling you to do are going to be what equips you so that when you arrive, there's content in you. 
See, if you get to the top, that's what, the, you know, let me just tell you, this generation struggles with, okay? And I'm not talking about young people, so don't just jump right on the young people. I'm talking about this generation. People, there's, I've met older people that are part of this generation that they're, they're Uber-driven, microwave, you know, eaten. Are you hearing me? Internet viewing. I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about Facebook and social media posting type of generation. This generation looks and says, I want to go to the top of the mountain. Somebody get me a helicopter. Are you hearing me? Because I've seen what my parents gone through. I've seen what other people have gone through, and I ain't going through that. I want to get to the top, but somebody zap me to the top. Somebody get me a helicopter so I can fly to the top. Now that sounds great, but what you don't understand is your mountain is Mount Everest. And Mount Everest, helicopters can only fly 19,000 feet and Everest is 29,000 feet. So when the helicopter leaves you off, you still got 10,000 feet of the hardest terrain you've ever been through in your life. Why? Because there's no cheating your mountain. Because what good is it for you to get to the top of the mountain and have nothing in you to keep you at the top of the mountain? See, this is not a time for you to just come into church and just do what I say or do what someone else says. This is a time for God to reveal himself to you so he can reveal why he's called you, what he wants to do, so that you can understand it, so that as you have to explain it to others, you know exactly what God is doing in your life. The world is not looking for people to preach at them. They're looking for a demonstration of the power of God. Yes. How do you deliver a demonstration of the power of God if you always feel you need someone else's power to do that? Call my leader. I need him to pray for my family. Call my friend. He's a Bible study leader. I need him to pray for my loved ones. What about you? How about you praying for them? How about the power of God flowing through you? See, sometimes you're not confident that God will show up for you because you know you haven't been showing up for God. Are you hearing me? These are the things. Now, why am I saying all this this morning? And we'll come in. Are you getting anything, first of all? Okay. Amen. The last step is this, is a surrendered step. Stewardship, sacrifice, surrender. Surrender is one that a lot of people have a hard time with. Is because surrendering means you give up your rights. Who are the people that get shot by the police on the news that we see? They're the people that every single case, mostly every single time, and I'm not talking about the crazy ones that are doing horrible things. I'm talking about normal police situations. They're the people that refuse to surrender their rights. And they start talking to the cops. And they start fighting with the cops. And they start, you know, reaching for something. And they reach in their car. And they do something. And they're arguing. And they're, they, they refuse to surrender. And their lack of surrenderance creates a mess. And sometimes that's like us. We come to God and say, God, I want my greatest level. And he says, okay, give up your rights. And we say, no, I'm not going to give up my rights, but I still want that great level. And we fight and we struggle and we make a mess of our situation 
And God said it would have been so much easier if you would have just surrendered. Stewardship step, sacrifice step, surrender step. Are you willing to give up your rights so that God could take you to the place that you've always wanted? Are you willing to sacrifice whatever needs to be sacrificed so that God can do what he wants to do in and through your life? Then this is the time. Listen, I'll tell you what, church, listen. This church needs to become its greatest level of effectiveness. Right? I don't know about you, but I don't think God brought you here so that you could be halfway. I think he brought you here to be all the way. He brought you here to do what you've never done. He's brought you here to reach the people that have never been reached. He's brought us here to make sure that we are going to get to the greatest level that he wants. And guess what? When it gets hard and when it gets difficult, you have to make a decision this morning in your heart. Pastor Anthony comes to the keyboard. You have to make a decision in your heart this morning that no matter how difficult it may feel to keep moving forward, you got to say, I will never stop taking steps. Amen. Amen. I'm going to let God... I'm going to surrender to the Lord. See, if I was preaching a message today, I could have preached another message that could have got you guys all excited and you would have been shouting the whole message. And you know what? You would have went home inspired and you would have been excited and energetic and your faith would have filled you up. But you still would be wondering, how do I battle what I'm facing right now? How do I get past it? I'm coming here today as family. Yes. I'm not coming today as a, and as an evangelist that's just going to come and inspire you and just lay hands and signs and wonders and miracles are going to follow. There's going to be, I, I, rather than me be used to create signs and miracles and God flow through me and signs and miracles flow through my life, how about we position you so that signs and wonders and miracles yeah. will flow through your lives Amen. in your world? Yeah. This is what I'm asking you to do today. I'm asking you to evaluate. Number one, when God gave me a moment, what did I do with it? Number two, if I didn't do anything with it, why is it? Because Was it because I'm not a, operating, maybe because selfishness is ruling? Am I faltering in my stewardship? Have I been unwilling to sacrifice? Have I been unwilling to surrender? Have I stopped taking steps? Did something happen in your life? The Bible says you were running a good race, but who cut in on you? The Bible also says, count it not strange what you're going through because your brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same thing. So stop feeling like it's just you. What has stopped your greatest level from unfolding? And if you're saying, well, I don't think you know me well enough to tell me that, well, then I ask you to tell yourself, show me your results. I'm not talking to me. I'm saying, show yourself. If you are moving forward, if you've been building, if you've been doing that, then where are the results? Who's being reached? Who's being touched? 
who's been saved? When's the last time you led somebody to the Lord and they're in church and you cared for them? You didn't just lead them to the Lord, but you actually are working with them, discipling them, training them. Who's the last person you brought to the church? Who's the last family member that got saved from your testimony? What's the last ministry that you were involved in that doubled in size or growth was added to or it got better just because you joined it? Boy, it's quiet, huh? I hope I come back. Let me tell you something. Start understanding this. It's not God's top priority to always rescue you. Sometimes he just likes to let you burn in the fire. If you don't believe that, ask Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. He said, no, 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 I'm not going to rescue you. I'm going to let you burn, but I'll do one better. I'll join you. And the whole world will watch us burn because it's going to be more effective for people to watch you going through what you're going through than it is for me to rescue you. So, so stop basing forward progress, forward motion on God rescuing me. God, if you rescue me, I'll keep moving. No, he says, keep moving while I don't rescue you. Well, if you change the circumstance, I'll keep moving. No, keep moving while I don't change the circumstance. I'd be like me. Well, God, I'm going to go to my greatest level if you heal my wife. No, no, no. I'm going to take her, but still go to your greatest level. Still go to your greatest level. But it's painful. Don't matter. Go through your greatest level. Yeah, you'll get through it. You'll get through it. You'll get through it. You'll, you'll go. You'll see it. I know you can't see it right now. I know the pain is hard. I know the things that you're going through are tough. But you'll, you'll see it. Don't stop. Don't stop moving. Don't stop taking those steps. Don't, don't ever stop going to the levels that I've called you to go through. And I end with this this morning. There's a story about a man who's driving an old Ford pickup down a country road. And he's driving this old Ford truck and all of a sudden the truck starts to sputter. And he has to pull over because the truck stops. The gentleman jumps out of his truck and he comes around the front and he lifts the hood. And he's trying to figure out what's wrong with the truck and he gets in there and he's moving things around and nothing's working. Goes back, starts it, nothing starts. And as he looks down the road, he hears a car coming. He looks, he sees an old limousine coming. The limousine is coming down the road and the limousine pulls up right behind him. And he looks and a gentleman jumps out in a suit and he comes walking towards the truck. And he says, how you doing friend? Could I help you? He says, what seems to be the problem? He says, I don't know what the problem is. I can't seem to get my truck started. He goes, well, let me take a look. He takes his jacket off, rolls up his sleeves, and he gets in there. And the man is bewildered, and he looks at him, and he says, excuse me, sir, I don't mean to sound ungrateful or, you know, because I'm very thankful, but what would a distinguished gentleman like yourself do stopping on a country road to help a simple man like me? He says, you know, why don't you get in the car and start up the car? He goes, I think I may have fixed this. Tell me if it works. The gentleman gets in the car. He starts it up. The car starts right up. The gentleman pulls his head out, slams the trunk closed, extends his hand to the man. He says, hi, son. He goes, let me answer your question. He goes, my name is Henry Ford. 
He says, and this is my truck. This is my creation. He says, and it bugs me when I see what I created stuck on the side of the road. He says, and I didn't create my trucks to get stuck on the side of the road. I made my trucks to run forever. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God looks at you and says, you are my creation. I didn't make you to get stuck. I didn't make you to stop. I didn't make you to quit. I didn't make you to surrender and not accept my perfect will. I made you to move. I made you to go forward. I made you to run forever. I made you to make an impact in this world. You moving forward is the difference between a church being stuck or growing. In your forward steps, the Bible says, Isaiah 48, 6 through 7, from now on, I will speak to you things that never existed until now. Meaning, I've never heard it. I've, it never lived. He says, you cannot say you've heard of it because that would be a lie because it never existed in the world until you stepped here. Why is it important for you to keep moving forward? Because your next step will unlock the knowledge and the wisdom that it will take for you to reach your greatest level. But being stuck will cause you to rely on everything you've lived. And you'll keep thinking that it's what I know that will take me where I've never been. And God says it's not what you know that will take you where you've never been. It's what you don't know yet. And what you don't know yet is ahead of you. But you'll never get to it if you stop moving. I need you to keep taking steps. I need to turn your moments into momentum. I need your momentum to break you through your barrier so that you can get to your greatest level. So this is what I'm asking you to do today. If you know God you want to use me and I want to be utilized for you. I want to make a difference. I want what's in me brought out so that I can make a difference in this world. I want to win my world. I may not have all the answers, but I know that I have the desire to make a difference. If that's you, step out of your seat and come join me here at this altar this morning.